0: Previously on Space Train, Dallas received a robot from his biggest fan. The robot quickly became Dallas' best friend, but it was too good to be true. The robot was actually sent by the rocket man, and it soon started trying to break the space train apart. The cadets teamed up to fight back, but it was ultimately Blobby that stopped the robot. After their battle, the space train reached its next destination. Blobby's homeworld, Gorf. And now for season two, episode six Gorf. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Space Train. It's time to be the. Bobby bounced off the cockpit walls as the space train began its descent into Gorf. His chirps and clicks were almost maniacal. Geez, take it easy, Blobbert. Dallas laughed. Save some energy for the reunion. Oh, oh come on! Look at this. You gooped up my new hat. Oh darn it. Lydia said sarcastically. She and Doug had been hoping Dallas would lose that gigantic new cowboy hat ever since he got it. It bonked into everything. No worries, Dallas said. At least I've still got my original hat around here somewhere. He dug around for his old hat. Blobby chirped some more and bounced excitedly off his shoulder, leaving a big splatter mark. Hey, cool it! Doug looked around and laughed. The whole room was caked in splatter marks. So who's going to have to clean all this up? Lydia said, looking over the mess. Doug smiled and pointed at Dallas. Sounds like a job for the crusher. Dallas wasn't listening. He was too busy struggling to rein in Blobby, who was bouncing off the control panel and leaving behind a gross layer of goo. Blobby, slow down! Mm. No! He finally caught the little creature as it tried to zip by his ear. Blobby vibrated excitedly in his hand. I gotcha. I know, dude. I'd be excited too. This'll just be a quick in and out, right? Blobby! Blobby chirped some more, but seemed to avoid the question. Doug and Lydia exchanged a concerned look. Is there anything we should know about your family, Doodlet? Dallas asked. I want them to like me. Would a demonstration of incredible strength impress them? Blobby shook his jelly head and giggled. Oh, oh, I got it. I'll show them my square dance. <laughs> that usually does it. Moms love my square dance. Goro watched Blobby chirp and jiggle with excitement. Surely this isn't our first trip to GORF. This is the first time, Doug confirmed. Goro's metal mustache frowned. Stardust! I'm sorry it has taken us this long to visit your homeworld, Blobby. Hopefully, this is an opportunity for you to get some much needed family time. Blobby nodded repeatedly. Goro pressed a button on the control panel. Leo, Fusik, we will reach Gorf shortly. If you will both please report to the exit bay, you can suit up with the others. There was a long silence before Fusik's voice sounded through the intercom. If it is okay with you, Goro, I would prefer to stay on the train and practice. Perfectly fine with me, Goro said. Captain? Of course. Doug said. Goro pressed the intercom button again. We will keep the ship on idle for you to have full power for your slug pipe. Do try to avoid blowing holes in the roof. I promise there will be no holes, Fusik replied. Goro ended the communication. Doug got up from his chair. I'll head down to make sure Leo got the message. A few minutes later, he reached Leo's sleeping quarters and opened the door with a hiss. Leo's back was to him and he was working on something. A couple of small boxes full of wires. Mixon McGruff was on a screen on the table, but Leo quickly turned it off and threw a blanket over the project as soon as Doug stepped in. Cool, Doug said. You building something? Leo shook his head and played it off like it was no big deal. Come on, I'll help. This is one of the few things I can really help with. Leo smiled nervously and shook his head. You sure? Leo nodded. Suit yourself. Doug glanced at the now blank screen. Was that Mixon you were talking to? What did he want? Again, Leo waved it away like it was no big deal. Doug got an uneasy feeling. What was Leo hiding? He fought the urge to walk over and pull the blanket off the boxes. He didn't want Leo to lose trust in him. Instead, he asked... ''Leo, is there something you want to tell me? Is there something I should know?'' Leo swallowed and then slowly shook his head. Doug sighed. ''Okay, we've reached Gorf and need to suit up. I'll see you in the exit bay.'' Leo smiled and gave him a thumbs up. As he turned to leave, Doug wondered what Leo could possibly be up to. Did this have something to do with that disc McGruff had slipped Leo back at the academy?'' Or maybe that quick pit stop by that store on Schnozheim? His curiosity ran wild as he made his way to the exit bay, where he and the others pressed suit boxes against their chests, and the spacesuits popped out and wrapped themselves around the kids. Once everyone was ready, the exit bay doors parted, and the ramp extended down to the surface. Blobby immediately jumped out of Dallas's hand and rolled around in Gorf's dirt. Hey, Blobby, be careful! Dallas rushed after him. You're gonna look all filthy for the reunion! Oh No, dude, you look like a dirty loogie! Stepping down the ramp, Doug was struck by how beautiful Gorf was. It was green, lush, and looked like a heavenly slice of earth with a cool, swampy vibe. Given Blobby's shape and demeanor, he had imagined a much grosser orange planet surface. But most of the terrain was thick with jungle-like vegetation. The dirt was dark and purplish-brown. The surrounding mountains were tall, green, and would occasionally curve and touch at their peaks, creating gorgeous circular formations at the top. Moss, vines, and stringy slime hung from the trees, There were strange, slimy eggs of various colors dangling from the canopies like giant, grotesque fruit. A mesmerizing orange sunset painted the sky above and seemed to match the color of Blobby's jelly body. Blobby bounced up and down when he saw the homes, perfect mushroom-shaped homes. They were silver and reflected the orange sky like mirrors. Many of them had green flowering vines winding up their base and most had at least some strands of slime stretching up their sides. Tiny tubes near the top connected most of the mushroom structures to each other and little blob creatures shot through them, zipping from place to place. As soon as Blobby saw them he went ballistic. They started chirping so loudly that Dallas thought the little creature would explode. I know, I know, I see them, Dallas laughed. Aren't the Gorfys adorable? Goro said, stepping off the ramp next to them. They're beautiful, Lydia said in awe with all the different colors. I don't know why I assumed they'd all be orange. Gorfys come in more colors than you can possibly imagine, Goro said, enjoying the spectacle himself. Doug noticed that all of the gelatinous creatures were in fact different colors, and it seemed as though Blobby was the only orange Gorfie around. Blobby nodded for them to follow, and he led the way into the city. As they walked, Doug nudged Lydia and pointed to one of the slimy fruit balls hanging from a tree. They both watched as the gooey ball split apart, and out of the stringy slime emerged a tiny little blue gorfy. It blinked its big eyes and chirped adorably at its brown and yellow parents, who helped it slither out of the ball. "'Blobby, are you sure I shouldn't have worn the other belt?' Dallas said nervously. "'This one doesn't shine as much.' He buffed the belt with his spacesuit for the hundredth time, but still wasn't satisfied. Blobby smiled and shook his head. But his reassuring chirps didn't put Dallas at ease. Dallas was looking more anxious with every step he took. All around them, gorphys were stopping to look at them. The chirping chatter quieted as cute gorphy families turned their attention to Blobby and the cadets and stared in amazement. Colorful blobs stopped zipping through the tubes and instead oozed out and took form on the ground to witness the newcomers. Blobby just smiled at them and appeared to wave. Hello. 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 Leo pointed to the gathering gorphys pointed to his eyes, and then shrugged. Good question, Doug said. I'd like to know why they're staring at us, too. Maybe they've never seen humans before, Lydia said. Blobby, do you know where your family is? Blobby nodded excitedly and then waved them further down the road. (laughs) Their little jelly friend stood out among the crowd. Not just because he was the only orange Gorfy or the fact that he'd strolled in with an entourage of space cadets and a robot conductor, but because his energy level was significantly higher than the Gorfies around him. All the other Gorfies seemed more relaxed and easygoing. In comparison, Blobby looked like a spaz. As if to emphasize this point, Blobby saw a stand of brown spiky fruit he'd obviously missed, dove into it, and started devouring it with a vengeance. The red gorfy manning the little stand didn't seem to mind. It just watched and smiled kindly. After several seconds, it chirped a question to Blobby, and Blobby's little face emerged from the treat pile, smiled and nodded. The other Gorfy chirped with excitement and brought over more spiky fruit that Blobby gladly dove into. <laughs> Dallas walked over and gave the spiky fruit a sniff through his helmet's scent vent. <laughs> it smells chocolatey. He broke one open and a silky chocolate liquid pooled in half the shell. Mm, this looks like it'd be really good on an ice cream sundae. May I? The Gorfy nodded happily and Dallas filled a bag with the fruit. Doug liked Gorf. It was majestic, weird, and refreshingly friendly. It was the kind of place he'd like to visit for vacation if they ever had time off. He took an outstretched flower from a Gorfi and handed it to Lydia. It looked like a swirl of cotton candy, covered in colorful pink and blue petals. Lydia took it and smelled it through her helmet's scent vent. Mmm, smells sweet. She smiled and raised her eyebrows. Why, thank you. You're welcome. Doug felt a little flutter in his stomach. He caught Leo pretending to sniff flowers and looking all dreamy-eyed. Oh, stop it. With an embarrassed smile, he pushed Leo's shoulder and shook his head. Leo laughed quietly. Suddenly, the sound of beating drums echoed down the streets. At the sound of it, all of the gorefees started bowing low to the ground. Some of them bowed so low that they became pools of jelly. What the heck are they doing? Doug wondered loud, watching as thousands of colorful blobs lowered their jelly heads. I think they're honored by our presence, Dallas said with a smirk. He almost started his flexing routine, but was quickly stopped by Lydia. Please don't. She nodded to Blobby, who wasn't bowing. Instead, his excitement bubbled up even more, and he was bouncing up and down, chirping joyfully. Do go? How do do go? Goro and the cadets looked at Blobby and then at each other. The drums grew louder. They were much closer this time. Doug could almost feel their vibrations in his bones. Something was approaching. A large carriage was coming towards them. Doug squinted up at it. There was a procession of big drums being pounded by Gorfis that bounced up and down on them. And just beyond them was something that made Doug do a double take. What are those things, he muttered. I believe those are heifers.ies, Goro said. A breed of creature reserved for the servitude of the noble class. Strong, fiercely loyal, and very, very old. Doug could see them clearly now, Several huge creatures that looked like saber-toothed tigers made of trees. They stepped to the beat of the drums. Their skin was rugged and bark-like, their sinuous muscles a bundle of intertwining roots. A crown of brownish-green leaves formed their manes. They purred and growled through their moss-covered wooden fangs, and their eyes glowed a brilliant green Doug had never seen before. In any other setting, these beasts would be terrifying, and just the sight of them would be enough to make the cadets reach for their blasters. But somehow, here on Gorf, the creatures felt peaceful and stoic. Somehow, Doug felt assured they would do him no harm. All of these hephrises, as Gorf called them, were connected by thin, stringy roots that trailed back to a slimy ball carriage. And in that carriage was a row of colorful Gorfies, a bigger green one with a fat head, a perfectly round pink one next to it, and on either side of those two, a handful of smaller blobs sitting in the background. If Doug didn't know any better, he'd say they were smiling at them. The rhino-sized heiferses came to a stop in front of the cadets, and the largest of the Gorfys, the green one, stared in shock at Blobby. After some hesitation, he let out a few chirps and clicks. <laughs> Blobby nodded and chirped back. The green and pink gorfies looked at each other, and their faces stretched into huge jelly smiles. The green one turned to the others in the carriage and chirped excitedly. <laughs> Almost instantly, Blobby sprang off the ground and started bouncing up and down the row of Gorfees in the carriage, splattering them with affection. <laughs> the Gorfees laughed and splattered him back. Um, Gorman? Dallas watched with a raised eyebrow. Is Blobby attacking these snotballs or what? Goro's screen mouth displayed a smile. No, Dallas, this is a happy reunion. Blobby and his family are together again. His family? Dallas looked back at the splatter fest with a mix of surprise and sadness. Does everyone on Gorf ride around on those things? Lydia asked, pointing to the slimeball carriage. I don't believe so, Goro said. It would appear that Blobby's family is Gorf royalty. There's really only one way to be sure? <clears throat> Goro proceeded to chirp and click Gorfish and the big green gorfi pulled away from the celebration long enough to reply. After a few happy chirps and sounds, he went back to splatter-hugging Blobby. Goro turned back to the cadets. It is confirmed. This is the Gorf royal family, and our blobby is the prince. Doug's jaw dropped. Blobby, a prince? Our blobby is royalty, Lydia laughed. Leo shook his head in disbelief and gave an exaggerated bow. Dallas continued to watch the reunion sadly. My blobby... The round pink blob next to the green one excitedly chirped and clicked to the gorfey surrounding the carriage. As she finished her last chirp, every gorfey in the city burst into cheers. They jumped up and down. They filled the air with happy gibberish. There were so many bouncing around that Doug thought it looked like it was raining colorful bouncy balls. Even the stoic hephrasies let out celebratory roars. (laughs) Blobby's family insisted the cadets ride with them. "'So they climbed aboard and the Hepherses turned the carriage around and headed back towards the palace. "'The whole ride over, the royal gorfy splattered Blobby with hugs and kisses, chirped jokes, and jiggle laughed. "'With so much joyful splattering going on, Doug and the others were soon covered in colorful splatter marks. "'The cadets stared up in awe as they reached the palace at the edge of the city.' A giant slimy blue ball bulged out of the canopy of an enormous tree. Colorful tree eggs hung from strands of slime, and strange reptile birds roosted in the upper branches. Blobby bounced up and down when he saw it. As the carriage came to a stop, the green blob chirped a few words to Goro. The green one has introduced himself as the Gorf King, Goro translated. And the pink one is the queen. They would like us to follow them. As instructed, he and the others hopped off the carriage and followed the Gorf royal family into the giant tree ball. The inside was bright, round, slimy, and beautiful. The curved rooms were full of strange slimy decorations and travel tubes that went from room to room. The Gorfy king jiggled out of his family huddle and chirped to the cadets. <coughs> The king offers his sincerest gratitude for bringing their son home, Goro translated. They thought he had been lost forever. He says you cannot imagine the joy they are feeling. Oh, we can imagine, Lydia said, looking over all the splatter marks on her spacesuit. What do you mean, lost forever, Doug said? How did they become separated in the first place? Goro relayed the message and listened carefully while the king explained. Goro's middle eyebrows shot up. Interesting. Apparently, Clay Bogan, the ruler of the Claymen and member of the Class of Exiles, tried to strike a deal with the Gorfis. He wanted to trade his triangular robot Tylons in exchange for an enormous sum of Gorf's water. As I'm sure you remember, Claymen need the water to keep their form and make new clay creations. As if it were yesterday, Doug remembered being on Clay Bogan's comet base and seeing the giant sacks of water. Goro continued, The Gorfies refused Claybogan's offer, and as a result, Mr. Bogan took Blobby prisoner and held him ransom. He said the only way he would return Blobby was if Gorf surrendered their water. But we defeated the Claymen, Dallas said, and freed Blobby. He was in the prison cell next to me. "'We broke out together.' "'Why didn't Blobby tell us all this?' Lydia asked, stunned. "'Goro's gears shifted uncomfortably. "'If I am being completely honest, "'I have not had much success understanding Blobby myself. "'His accent and slang do not register well with my translators. "'His father speaks much clearer gorefish. "'From what I can gather, "'Blobby is somewhat of a black sheep in his family. "'He is different and a little bit of a rebel,' but well-loved by his family and his community, nonetheless. I will ask him why he didn't try to get home sooner. He faced Blobby and let out some clicks and chirps. <coughs> Blobby chirped something back. <coughs> but Goro couldn't understand him and had to wait for Blobby's dad to repeat it in clear Gorfish. Ah, He says that when his family didn't come for him, he thought it was because he was a troublemaker, and they were glad to be rid of him. Oh, oh, hold on, the two of them are arguing now. It sounds as if Blobby's family did in fact make an effort to go after Blobby, but they did not have the weapons nor spaceships that would allow them to do so. Instead, they exhausted all of their channels of communication, trying to find someone who could help but by the time they were able to reach the comet with the help of their allies, he was gone. After some time, they accepted the fact that he must be dead. Oh, good! They're making up and hugging again. Well, Dallas swallowed. Does he want to stay here? Goro let out a long breath and then started chirping, but Dallas stopped him. He understands me. He took a step forward. Blobbert. Blobby went quiet and looked at him. Are you staying? The room went quiet. All eyes were on Blobby. Doug could see the struggle in the little Gorfy's face. Blobby looked at Dallas with sad eyes and nodded. Dallas shook his head and scoffed. What? I can't believe this. We are your family. You're my brother. It is. Blobby tripped up at him. No, 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 don't you start with me. Who was it that broke you out of that prison cell? Huh? Me. Who was it that let you splatter all over his shoulder 24-7? Me. Who was it that fed you five million chocolate bars? Me. Dallas's eyes were clearly wet with tears. He frowned and held up his arms. Welcome home, little bro. I'm sorry we weren't good enough for you. With that, Dallas walked away. Slumped over, Blobby watched him go and chirped sadly. (laughs) That evening, the royal family threw the biggest celebration Gorf had ever seen. The tree eggs glowed like lanterns under the darkening sky. Gorfies bounced up and down on big, slimy drums. Lobs jiggled and danced through the streets late into the night. Doug, Goro, and the other cadets enjoyed the festivities as guests of honor. Doug sipped a chocolatey drink from a slime bowl that was warm, sweet, and creamy. Goro tried his hand at singing gorfish in an almost unbearably robotic tone. Leo showed off for a small group by juggling a few gorfies. Lydia was following the Gorefy queen around pointing to objects and asking what they were called in Gorfish, Every time she butchered a word, the sweet pink queen would shake her jelly head and click and purr a little slower. When she got a word right, the queen would bounce up and down happily. From the shadows of a nearby tree, Dallas sat back against the trunk, arms folded, scowling at the party. Doug and Lydia tried to get him to join in the fun, but Dallas just responded with a grunt. At the peak of the celebration, Blobby's father quieted the crowd and brought his son up onto the top of a big, slimy mushroom platform in the middle of the plaza. As he clicked and chirped, Goro translated for the cadets. It is a joy to have our son return. The crowd erupted into cheers and then quieted down again. What was once lost is now found. The future of Gorf is bright. I again want to thank Goro and the Wanderers for bringing our son safely home, and we want to thank you all for joining us in this grand gesture of smushin' The cadets gave Goro a quizzical look. Sorry, that was a very rough translation. He is now saying that, with the prince's return, it is now time for him to morph. Morph? Doug and Lydia repeated. Morph, Goro confirmed. I believe it is a marriage ceremony in which two gorfies are joined together and officially form a companionship. Blobby was due to morph some time ago. Ah, the king is scanning the crowd now for a suitable match. Female Gorfys bounced up and down, trying to catch the king's attention. But shouldn't Blobby get to pick someone he loves? Doug said, awkwardly catching Lydia's glance out of the corner of his eye. I don't believe love is a term used in Gorfish to describe companionship. Gorfis are hard workers, so they are known to morph with a companion that will work well with them. Their intellect and physical form literally become one for the duration of the morphing period. What do you mean? Lydia asked. Watch. Goro pointed as the king chose a suitable companion for Blobby. The cute blue female Gorphy bounced excitedly as she made her way to the mushroom platform. Blobby greeted her with happy chirps and clicks. It appears the morphing process is about to begin, Goro said. Doug, Leo, and Lydia watched with curious interest. Blobby and the girl Gorphy bounced in circles around each other, chirping a sweet little song. <laughs> Until seconds later, they slammed into each other, twisted through the air, and then landed on the platform, stuck together. Doug and the cadet's eyes bulged. The two Gorfies looked like their sides were gelled together. They looked like a little two-headed jelly blob. The Gorphy crowd cheered and danced. Wait, they're literally stuck together? Doug said, his nose scrunched. For the duration of the morphing period, yes, Goro said. This is how Gorfis become companions. They literally share a mind and physical form for a time. Leo pretended to point to a watch and then shrugged. The morphing period varies, Goro answered. It could last weeks, months, or even years. However long it takes for these two Gorfis to work as one. They must share each other's burdens. Sorrows, joys, and physical ailments. Whatever he feels, she feels, and vice versa. This is the only way for a goffy couple to truly understand each other and maximize their potential. Their gifts are magnified. Their weaknesses ideally subdued with the help of the other. Together, they are stronger. If I may say, it is somewhat similar in function to the connector back at the academy. Its purpose is to further unite you as a team and combine your strengths for the greater good. Whoa, Doug said under his breath. He couldn't imagine being literally stuck at the hip with someone. He really liked Lydia, but he imagined if someone made them link arms for a few months, they'd drive each other nuts. Soon after the morphing ceremony, the festivities came to an end and the Gorphys bounced back to their homes, The Gorf royal family put Goro and the cadets up in their nicest mushroom guesthouse. Doug slept like a baby in his soft cocoon bed. It was the first good sleep he'd had in days. Usually the thoughts of all the intense battles and missions they'd completed kept him up. He'd run through his choices as captain over and over and over, picking everything apart and wondering how he could have done things better. He also couldn't help but replay the things he'd said to Lydia and wondered whether he sounded like a doofus or not. But this night was different. There were no explosions, no killer robots, no mind-building. Just bliss in a world full of joy and natural wonder. When he awoke the next morning, the Gorfy royal family was waiting for them in the dining-room, sitting at a table with more bowls of strange but delicious food. Blobby and his companion bounced into the room, practically tripping over themselves and chirping intensely at each other. They were clearly hashing something out. <laughs> Um, are they going to be okay? Lydia said, suppressing a laugh. I have no doubt, Goro said. They are just discussing how to better move around together without tripping and landing on each other's face. Apparently, Blobby's companion has a longer hopping stride, and Blobby is holding her back. Doug watched as the two Gorfies worked out their issue, smiled, and then seemed to squeeze each other in a jelly hug before joining everyone at the table. The last to arrive was Dallas. His head was down and he was holding his original cowboy hat. The room went quiet as he walked over and set the hat in front of Blobby and his companion. "'Congratulations,' he said, face red, cheeks wet with tears. "'I want you to have this so you always remember me.' Blobby shook his head vigorously and pushed the hat back towards Dallas. "'No, dude, I mean it,' Dallas insisted. "'It's yours. Please.' He looked around and nodded. (sighs) "'Look, I get it. "'You live in an awesomely weird place full of chocolate balls. "'You're a prince, for crying out loud. and you just found yourself a sweet honey. "'Can't compete with that. "'And I just... I just want you to be happy, little dude.' Blobby and his companion smiled and then sprang up from the table and splattered Dallas with a hug. When they pulled away, Dallas went to wipe away his tears and forgot he was wearing a helmet. His hand clunked against his head bubble and he tried to play it off as a salute. See you around, Blobbert. He looked at Goro and the cadets. I'll wait for you guys back on the train. Blobby watched his best friend go with big, sad eyes. Feeling the sadness of her companion, his mate frowned as well as she watched the boy leave. Later that morning, Doug, Goro, Leo, and Lydia made their way back to the space train. A crowd of Gorfies saw them off, cheering and bouncing as they walked up the ramp. Doug was carrying an entire sackful of the spiky chocolate fruits, and Lydia kept having to scoop down and pick up fruits he dropped. When the exit bay doors closed, they relived the experience with fondness. Sure, they were a little bummed to see Blobby go, but they'd promised a visit. Plus, it was hard to be too sad when they saw how happy the little guy was. He was reunited with his family, and his home world was oozing with joy. After taking off his spacesuit and putting away his things, Doug headed up to the cockpit to help with the takeoff. He found Dallas sitting in one of the chairs, holding his big new hat and touching the gooey splatter marks all over it. Doug could tell he was quietly crying. He walked over and sat down next to him. Dallas immediately tried to hide the fact that he was crying. Bro, can't a guy have a moment? Sorry, I didn't know you were in here, Doug said. In all fairness, this is the cockpit. We spent a lot of time up here. Dallas nodded. I know, I couldn't hang out in my room. Too much stuff that reminded me of them, you know? Then I come up here and find this. (laughs) He snorted and held up his giant splattered cowboy hat. Doug took it and looked it over. He really slammed that one up good, didn't he? The boys chuckled. You still have us, Dallas, Doug said, handing the hat back. I know we aren't adorable jelly creatures, but we care about you, and we're here for you. Thanks, dude. Things won't be the same around here, though. No. No, they won't. Doug stood up. How about we go get a big juicy burger from the Cosmic Cafe? I think I finally found which chef-ba can get it right. Nah, I'm good, bro. Thanks. I've got this. He held up a half-eaten chocolate bar. Little Booger left it on the control panel, and I thought I was a slob. Doug patted him on the shoulder. We'll be in the Cosmic Cafe. Okay. Dallas took the next few minutes to take bites out of the chocolate bar and reflect on all the good times he and Blobby had had together. When he finally got up to leave, he noticed a light blinking on the control panel next to the label Exit Bay. Glancing over the controls, he tried to figure out a way to bring up the surveillance feed, he didn't know anything about the controls that was always goro and leo's job goro's voice suddenly sounded through the intercom um dallas if you can hear this you are needed in the exit bay dallas's heart thumped in his chest he quickly slammed the evac belt button on the panel one of the few buttons he recognized and then jumped on the floor belt in surfing position The conveyor belt zoomed out of the cockpit and through the train cars. Dallas crouched down, arms outstretched, and rode the belt like a wave, his wavy hair flapping behind him. When the belt came to a stop at the exit bay, he pushed through the cadets until he found Blobby and his companion bickering in the middle of the room. Blobby's companion was pointing to a splatter mark on the wall that Blobby had made. Blobby sheepishly wiped it clean. (laughs) <laughs> Blobbert? Dallas said, his face beaming. <laughs> what are you doing? Blobby chirped happily and his companion joined in with a few chirps of her own. <laughs> Dallas waved his hands frantically. <laughs> I, I don't I don't actually know what you're saying. Somebody please help me out here? goro's screened mouth grinned i think what blobby is trying to say is that he and his family would like to live aboard the space train for a time (laughs) ha! are you serious dallas squeezed the jelly duo and their eyes nearly popped out yes yes oh man sick wait his family Right on cue, the exit doors hissed open, and the entire Gorf royal family bounced aboard. Their chirping chatter instantly filled the room. Dallas threw out his arms. It's a blob fest! He gave the whole family a huge hug in one fell swoop and then immediately started taking them on a tour. And this is the planetarium. Gora usually likes to blab on and on about boring stuff in here, but it's got a super rad view and the seats are comfy enough to take a nap in. This is the zoo car. I know Gorf already has the coolest animals in the known universe, but the bull is pretty fun to ride. Oh, maybe we can add one of your heifers in that corral over there. They're called Hephrases, Lydia corrected, trying to keep up. Whatever. Over here, you've got the theater car and the Cosmic Cafe and... And on and on he went, practically bouncing himself as he gave an exhaustingly thorough tour of the entire space train. They ended their tour at the caboose, where the Gorfys felt right at home in the slimy train car. The king and queen wasted no time in setting up their slimy cocoon beds dallas watched in total bliss as his best friend helped his family get situated he looked back at goro and the other cadets who were all smiling at him what i knew blaberta would come back let's face it i'm irresistible doug shook his head and rolled his eyes lydia raised her eyebrows blaberta that's what i'm gonna call my little morph dude He's got a chica with him now, so it's only fitting I give him a new name for the time being. Goro nodded. Blobberta, I like it. Dallas's old hat flew into his chest. He caught it and looked back at Blobby. Bro, I gave this to you. It's yours. Blobberta shook their head, then pointed to the half-eaten chocolate bar still in Dallas's hand and beckoned for it. Dallas smiled and tossed it to them. As the couple gobbled it up, Dallas put on his old hat. Yee-haw! It's time to be the hero! Okay, Rocketeers, I made it through there. Uh, You could probably tell I was losing my voice big time trying to narrate that episode. Excuse me. We were sick in this family this last week, and I believe we had the virus, so I am still recovering uh, my voice, so thank you for bearing with me. I really had fun with this episode. I was looking forward to going to Gorf and checking out where Blobby came from and meeting his family, and... (laughs) I was writing this story. I had this awesomely hilarious visual of Dallas slapping the evac bell button and then dramatically surfing the belt through the train with his hair like whipping behind him. Oh, my gosh. I just I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. I had to do it. Uh, And then the caboose at the end, kind of being this little in-law suite, right? I hope you guys liked that episode. I had a lot of fun writing it. Uh, Thank you, Mom, Roxanne, for cleaning up the story for me. She always makes a bunch of awesome edits. She's the best. I want to remind everyone that you can now rate the podcast on Spotify, so please do that if you're a Spotify listener. You can't leave a review But you can leave stars, so if you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star review, I'd appreciate it if you feel it warrants it. If you feel it warrants a one-star review, please just stop listening to the podcast. Like, why are you still listening? I mean, come on. Anyway, but you can also now follow the Purple Rocket on Instagram. Hey, yo, you heard that correctly. It only took like five plus years. Um, And it's because I'm terrible with social media, Rocketeers. You guys, I'm I'm not good at that. Uh, And my wife finally talked me into creating an Instagram page, which she will manage. Thank you, babe, for doing that. Because I'm totally social media inept. So... We plan on sharing Rocketeer artwork that you've sent me to showcase it for all the other Rocketeers. There's just so many cool drawings that I've received. Just too good. Too good not to share. So if you don't mind, I'm going to create like a Rocketeer gallery on Instagram. And parents, you can post your Rocketeers artwork and tag uh, the Purple Rocket so we can add it to that gallery. I know my wife, I think, plans on, on sharing some other stuff too. So anyway, check it out on Instagram. The Purple Rocket podcast is on there. I've also received some inquiries about YOTO. Am I pronouncing that right? It's gotta be YOTO, right? Y-O-T-O. There's these really cool audio players, these boxes. I've had some of you moms reach out and ask if there are any Purple Rocket podcast cards uh, for their kids to put in those audio players that they can carry around with them. I did not even know what this thing was, you guys. I didn't know what it was. So I looked into it, um, and I've told some moms for the time being to just become, if they don't mind, to become a patron at the $2 level, the minimum level. You can get access to the original MP3 downloads of the episodes. I guess some moms are able to somehow make that work with their Yoto player. How do I say that? Yoto. It's Yoto. It's got to be. So one of those moms actually told me I need to like reach out to Yoto to maybe provide them with content. So I've done that. And one of their content team people reached out to me and wants to talk. So I don't know what that means. It might not mean anything, but just say so you no, know, I'm looking into it because I know the moms are asking about it. So I'm talking to the Yoto people at some point and, uh, and I'll see if I can figure something out because I think it's a really cool idea. But we'll get there. Anyway, uh, speaking of patron, I got some patrons I want to shout out. Reluca, George, and their son Theo from Atlanta. Theo, thank you so much for listening, bud, and for being a loyal rocketeer. Apparently, you keep asking when I'm going to make a movie. Oh, dude, I don't know. I don't plan on making a movie. Uh, that would be kind of a long shot if one of these stories becomes a movie someday. Although I think some of these stories would make a cool movie for the record. Like Digger, I think Digger would be a really cool movie. Some of these are pretty long, so they'd have to be like trilogies at least. But that's a good question. No plans for a movie yet, bud. But well, you never say never, right? Right. I also hear, Theo, that you love to tell stories and that you want to be a storyteller when you grow up, like Greg Webb. Dude, you'll probably be a way better storyteller, and I can't wait to someday read or hear or watch your stories unfold. That's awesome, Rocketeers. I love it. Storytelling is such a good skill. Uh, It'll help you with a lot of things, but I just, I love it. Practice telling stories to your family, Theo, and all you other Rocketeers. I love it. I also want to thank Jamie and his mom, Kelly, for listening. Jamie, thank you so much, bud, for supporting the show and for listening. I also want to give one more shout-out to Ruben and Perry from Oxford, UK. I know Ruben is really into anime, and Perry is into arts and crafts. That's awesome. Ruben and Perry, those are some great hobbies. Uh, And you're from Oxford, so I'm guessing you listen to Winglings and really judge my terrible accent, it's okay, it's all right, I can take it, okay, it's all good. But I love it, I love hearing that there are people listening from the other side of the world, it's so cool, and speaking of which, also wanna shout out Mike, Kate, Eva, Lodi and Audrey in Malaga, Spain, I'm a big fan of Spain, you guys, I lived in Spain for a couple years in northern Spain, everywhere from uh, Bilbao all the way over to A Coruña, love Spain. I adore Spain. Uh, And in case you haven't noticed, that was the first episode of grandpa's globe I did. And I did that for a reason. So anyway, shout out to you Spaniard listeners. So cool. And everybody that's listening from all over the place, different states, different countries. It's just fun. I love it. Rocketeers, one big rocketeer family. I love it. I also want to share this awesome email I got from Garrett. Garrett said, I got a concussion when I was ice skating and I thought the days were going to be really boring. Then I decided to listen to the Purple Rocket podcast. I'm listening to Camp Dino for the second time while resting. Camp Dino is my favorite. My second favorite is Winglings. My third favorite is Digger. The one I'm currently listening to with my family is Space Train. The podcast makes me have a brighter day every day. Thank you for creating this podcast. It's my favorite podcast I've ever listened to. Garrett, Garrett, dude, you're awesome. I hope you're okay. A concussion's pretty serious. I hope you're recovering all right. Ice skating is pretty treacherous. I know from personal experience, I'm not a figure skater. And I almost die every time I do it. Just kidding, I don't almost die. But it is, it's It's fun, but you you know, it takes some practice. And I hope you're okay, Garrett. I'm sure that was not a fun experience, getting that concussion But it was scary. But I'm so, so glad that the podcast has helped you be calm and pass the time and has brightened your day. That's really special to me. Thanks, dude, for sharing that. I love it. I'm going to share a couple Apple reviews. This one says, Your stories are awesome. I love this podcast a lot. And I listen to it often before bed. My favorite series is Grandpa's Globe. And I also noticed something in the series Life. Mr. Dalbert is always the educator's name. I think I did that on purpose. I'm pretty sure I did that on purpose. I'm going to claim I did it on purpose. I, I just It's been a while since I did a Life episode, but I'm almost positive that I put mr dalbert in there who's not even a real person for the record i know you know in case anybody's like oh did you really have mr dalbert as a teacher i think i did have a mr tolbert so maybe that was like uh, i don't know maybe i mashed a couple teachers names together and mr tolbert was an awesome english teacher in seventh grade by the way awesome 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 oh had so many good teachers rocketeers so many good teachers so many good teachers. I can shout out a million of them. I have. There's a special place in my heart for the teachers out there, including my wife who's teaching our kids here at home. It takes a special person to be able to do that. So... I think you're correct. I've had reoccurring characters in life episodes, and Mr. Dalbert was probably one of them, but I couldn't tell you more than that because I can't remember a lot about him. This one is from Thomas, and it says, Long time listener. I've been listening since the first episodes. I've loved it for a long time. And he wrote long like that with a lot of O's, so that's how I read it in my head. And I still do. I love Camp Dino and Grandpa's Globe. Can you do a new series about Grandpa Boone? Can you tell us how he got this globe? I love that idea Thomas and I've kind of played with that idea before I I, want to come back to Grandpa's Globe again for at least one more season, I don't know when so I don't want to get your hopes up on anything and I don't know exactly how everything's going to play out or what but uh, I love Grandpa's Globe Grandpa Boone, I mean come on he's so cool, I definitely want to come back to it so thanks Thomas for the feedback and thanks for being such a longtime rocketeer since the beginning man, that's five plus years. Isn't it five years? Oh man, I need to figure out when the heck we started this five years. Somebody, somebody helped me figure that out. This last one is from the And that's what it says. I'm just reading it. And it says, wow, I can't understand. How do you make a podcast so awesome? It's just the best ever. Oh, come on. You're awesome. Okay. You're awesome. But thank you. Thank you. That's really nice. I, I mean, I've helped my mom makes it more awesome. Uh, I now I'm getting help editing the audio, which is, Oh, thank you. Patrons. Uh, that is a huge help. Um, and I, and I just kind of go in there now and maybe add a few more sound effects and then I do the music, but that has been so nice. Cause for the first like hundred plus episodes, I was having to edit a bunch and you know, I got some help with nights of spatula which was phenomenally well done the audio work. Anyway, I've had help, but I'm so glad the rocketeers, you rocketeers are enjoying it and you guys are making it special. If it didn't if I didn't have people reaching out and and sharing their experiences, it probably wouldn't be as motivating to <laughs> to keep doing these stories. So thank you so much for sharing your your feedback. I love it rocketeers. Keep those imaginations Inspiring. Okay, go out, explore the world, be kind to others, include other kids uh, in your play, and just just be a good example. Rocketeers. Rocketeers are confident, they're kind, and we enjoy life. We we make life magical for ourselves and for those around us. It's one of the beautiful things about being a rocketeer. You guys are amazing. So thank you so much, and be sure to check back for another episode coming to you soon. This is your host. Greg Webb.